Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Grown Men Watch Kid Shit. It's me, TJ, and I'm here, blowing in the wind, with a new friend to y'all. A friend from high school, Yasmin. Yasmin, how are you doing? I'm doing so great. I'm so excited to be here, TJ. Now, Yasmin, uh, we've known each other since sophomore year of high school. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah. since 10th grade. And uh, how, how many years is that, TJ? <laughs> You know, math has never been a thing I do. Let's not do that, actually. We know it's been over 10 years because what our our 10-year class reunion was in 2004, yeah, because we graduated in 06. It would have been 2003-04 when we met. Early early sophomore year. You know what that means? That means like 19 years ago. Yeah. 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 I I hate that. That's most of our. You hate knowing me for that long. No, or you hate no, knowing no. anyone for that long. <laughs> the fact that it was nineteen years ago because it feels like <laughs> yesterday adjacent. It doesn't feel like yesterday. Of yeah. yeah, but but not that long ago. Not twenty years ago. Not that. Not know? twenty years ago. But Yasmin, Do you before tell we them the story of how we met. You know, I would love that, but yeah, um, so there was. We we will not use names to spare the innocent. Uh, oh, no, no names. Um, but there was a person that Yasmin and I were in AP World History, and there was a person who kept hitting on Yasmin, and Yasmin was very clear that they that she did not appreciate their advances. <laughs> At least I thought I, so. I, to, okay, I think to be, I think I was a little oblivious. I was kind of just like, is he joking? Like I was a little incredulous. Maybe that's a better word for it. And then there was a group project, a partner project that was announced. And this was pretty early on in the school year. And the kid turned to me and said, hey, do you want to be partners? And without missing a beat, TJ, who sat directly in front of me, turned around and said, oh, no, I'm working with her. And I was like, yeah, I guess I'm working with TJ. And then our friendship blossomed from that point. Like we weren't really that we weren't really friends before that, I guess. We weren't. We had talked like maybe that sat in front of me. Yeah. We had talked like maybe five times, and I guess I was just super hyper aware of. I was like, mm, "This ain't this ain't a thing." She is not going to be alone with this dude for any amount of time. Um, and I have, uh, yeah, and so that's how we became friends. But Yasmin, you are far more than just my friend. You are also a very successful individual. You mind telling the people like what you do, who you are, all that good stuff. What I do and who I am. So I work with the Young Turks right now. I create content for them and I do daily videos. Uh, well, four days out of five in the week. And yeah, I and I make appearances on their shows and things like that. I'm a commentator. Um, and people, I think, like my stuff because I think I, I, I go into a lot of detail that other commentators commentators might not go into i i don't know i'm one of those people who i'm like over prepared for things because i i want to get things right and i want things to make sense to people so they have to make sense to me first so then i'll do all the research ahead of time so yeah that's me that's what i'm doing you're also a natural born storyteller which is kind of where we really connected it's like you know how (laughs) on the stories we tell i know you've done theater before you and i have done many a karaoke (laughs) theater musical theater karaoke (laughs) I literally miss you so much whenever I feel like doing karaoke and my boyfriend just doesn't, he's not the guy for that. And I, I always look at him and I'm like, where is TJ when I need him? So <laughs> and we, we I'm, have, I'm we have in Pittsburgh, moments. Pennsylvania, far away. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, uh, 
<laughs> yeah, typical. He ran away. <laughs> Yasmin's like, fuck you, PJ. Uh, no, but, <laughs> um, but uh, Yasmin is here to talk about Holes, the Disney movie that, you know, honestly, before this, I had never, I had read the book because um, I was forced to read the book in school. Not forced. Forces, is, you know, it, it wasn't like Call of the Wild for me. It wasn't like reading Frankenstein. I was like, this was fun. Um, but uh, I'd never seen the film. So I'm wondering, what is your relationship to the book, if any? Mm-hmm. None relationship to the book. <laughs> I've, I've never read the book. And I only just watched the movie last night. So I am a very very much very much a newcomer to holes as a whole i was gonna say you're a holes virgin but that just sounds not (laughs) yeah 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 i don't like how that sounds at all actually (laughs) but yeah but i will say that in my my preparation for this podcast um, i did see a lot of people um something that came up pretty regularly was how loyal the movie was to the to the book and I think it was the, the author actually wrote the screenplay. So I don't know if you feel differently about that, but that's what that was a very common theme. I think one of the things we'll talk about is like, because I, I do agree with that, but we'll talk about like the transition between mediums and if that's successful at times. But I think that mm-hmm. the thing that I was really caught by, and I didn't realize that this until today, is that this is the same author who who wrote uh wayside stories for what for west side school or whatever it's called you know i'm talking about yeah yeah, sideways stories for west side school yeah okay that sounds sideways stories yeah for wayside triggering a memory yeah yeah and so i was Mm -hmm. like oh him it's him um but (laughs) okay yeah the weird thing about this Yes, I remember. Okay, yes, I remember this. I saw yeah. like the cover. Oh yeah, okay, interesting. Yeah, which, which explains a lot about the structure here. Um, but one thing that I am super interested to get your take on is um, this movie and book is secretly, not so secretly, about racism. <laughs> what are some other things that you have watched where like racism might have like come up and like bit you in the ass from behind you? Like, is this what this is about? <laughs> what? what are some other things that i've watched um i mean i don't know i feel like as a non-white person i think and i'm i'm not saying that this is necessarily a good thing but i think people who are not white tend to see racism in a lot of things right Mm -hmm. like i see racism in lord of the rings right and not just the obvious I, i love lord of the rings by the way just full full for the record um but you know, one of the big criticisms for that entire movie franchise is that, you know, there are no black people in the movie. It's all white people, right? That doesn't necessarily bother me. But then there's, um, you know, the way that they would kind of portray the people of the East versus the people of the West, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the people of the West are obviously the white people and they're very glorified and they're the good guys always. And the people from the East are always very ethnic looking, even if they're played by white people, right? But they're always made to look darker, darker features, maybe darker hair, darker makeup, maybe tribal makeup. They look more ragged, for lack of a better word, I guess. Um, a little bit more savage, I guess. Uh, so you do see things like that in movies and you kind of have to be like, mm, that's weird. You know, or that makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable. I get, I kind of get why they did it and things like, but, but 
that's kind of a common theme is the difference between East and West, right? The West is the good guys because everything that we read is written by like British or American people. And then the East is like the Orient, you know, the foreigners, these uncivilized people who need Western aid to get to where they're going. Even though like when the British colonized India, for example, just off the top of my head, TJ, (laughs) when the British colonized India, they just like plunged us into famine, you know, and they were like, this is better, right? It's better. It's better. And we're just like, no, it's not better. So. (laughs) Secret oh, yeah. racism is everywhere. Yeah. Um, you know, I um, so there's a couple movies that I love. One's one is Cats Don't Dance, which is just like it's not it's it's an okay movie, um, mm-hmm. and that is uh, it's about basically a Shirley Temple stand-in cartoon character who does all these movies with animals, but the animals are second-class citizens in Hollywood. And I was like, y'all ain't slick. Y'all ain't slick, especially because Michael Michael Jackson was supposed to star in that movie, and I was like. Interesting. Natalie Cole's a singer. Jasmine Guy's a voice actor. I was like, okay, <laughs> okay, let's not. Um, but then the the most egregious one, and longtime listeners will know I hate this movie, and I'm super looking forward to now planting it in your brain. It's a movie called Zombies on Disney Channel. Okay. Where on uh, Disney Channel? Yeah, the normal people live in nice palatial houses in the suburbs while the zombies live in a shanty town on the edge of town but they finally get to go they finally get to go to the same school but the zombies have to go through a separate entrance and yeah it's a whole it's a whole thing <sighs> i mean that's the thing that they do in art right and if you want to call your zombie movie art which i, I do feel not like you are hesitant to, <laughs> to want to do that um yeah, that's the thing that they do. You know, if something is fantastical, then you can present a lot of real world issues in a way that is inoffensive or maybe just less obvious to people, less egregious. So, um, and, you know, part of that is the reason why people need to study art, right? Part of that yeah. is the reason so that you can kind of see things from a more outsider perspective and so that you can maybe intake something that you're a little less comfortable paying attention to in real life, you know, something that might make you uncomfortable or something that you might not really, or you might have maybe a skewed understanding of, Mm -hmm. but if you can kind of take the context out of it, then you start to understand things. And then hopefully you can learn to apply those contexts to real life. But, you know, sometimes you find that people never really make that jump from one to the next, which is disappointing. You know, usually GMWKS gets all philosophical after we've had a drink, but like, yes, <laughs> no, it's, it's so sick. But I, I do have another question for you. If, if, if you had a form of punishment that would have like, quote unquote, strained you out as a kid, like in holes, they have to dig these holes. What would have been the thing mm-hmm. that you would have hated most to be like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to do what you say. You broke me. Like if like what would be the equivalent of someone making me dig holes? Yeah, yeah. I think so. I kind of got that feeling watching these babies dig all these holes <laughs> because they didn't know what they were doing it for, right? Right. And so there there obviously was an agenda as to why these people had all these babies dig all these holes, but they didn't know that. They thought they were just digging holes for the sake of digging holes. I think that would have made me crazy. Just, you know, just action for the sake of like, there's no purpose to it. There's no reason for me to be here. It's a waste of my time. I could be doing a million other things and it makes no sense. I mean, on top of that, you're in the heat and you're in the desert and whatever, and they're, you know, mistreating these children. But just the fact 
that they had no idea why they were digging these holes and it was labor for the sake of labor and no growth, no nothing. That was pretty bad to me. I think just menial, mundane tasks would be the worst thing for me. I think that would mentally break me a little bit. So like all we have to do is like say, hey, here's a roller, paint this room. And then the next day you come in, it has to be repainted over and over Repainted, yeah. Yeah, something like, yeah. Yeah, just... Just, am I getting anything out of this? And they tell you it's for your rehabilitation, but you know it's not, you know. So, so yeah, yeah I, I think that would make me feel very trapped, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also, yeah, I also start to wonder about this whole idea of the the camp in the movie when it comes to uh, what we now know about that, like send your kids away to camp culture thing that has happened. Yeah, and also like yeah, Wee! all that Paris Hilton stuff. Yeah. I was like, this this can't be a thing. This, this like this it's this is one of those movies that I don't know if we could have made it today in the same way that like you can't make major pain today because it's you just can't make major pain today. But like this is yeah. in the in a completely different context of things. Yeah, I I was kind of wondering about that as I was watching it because there's a lot of movies that came out around that time. This is like early 2000s. So maybe like late nineties, early 2000s movies that I mean, today the culture just would not accept these things. Right. And I, I mean, this is kind of maybe a little off topic from what you're asking, but, um, you know, with social media and everything, every movie that comes out is like a thing, right? There's mm-hmm. commentary about it on a million different channels. I remember after I watched it, I went on YouTube to see if anybody was talking about this movie and there was not a whole lot of content about it. And then I was like, because it came out in 2003. Mm-hmm. I think it was 2003. It yeah, was. And, the and year it was before we nice, met. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. So I think it was kind of nice that I couldn't find a whole lot about it because movies would come out and you would watch it and you would feel something and it would mean something to you. And then you would move on with your life. You know, everything didn't have to be such a big thing. It wasn't something that, you know, merited, you know, hours of criticism on the internet necessarily. And it wasn't, and not everything had to be a huge blockbuster. You could have a movie that was good for the sake of it being a good movie and for the sake of somebody enjoying and maybe getting something out of it. And that's kind of nice. I think that's what I miss about that whole pre-social media era. It's one that, of the things I miss about it. That and a simple phone that just has snake on it, you know. <laughs> the best. That was the best. You know, all I want to do is play snake and not a whole lot else. And have my battery last for days. Oh, my God. For days. Yeah. Look, I'm like, my phone is on its charger right now and it's like 6 p.m. Like, why do I need to be charging <laughs> my phone at 6 p.m.? You know? It makes no sense. It makes makes no sense. This is the world we live in now, TJ. We should just start digging holes. That's what we should do. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get somewhere eventually. Uh, <laughs> oh. oh my God. Sorry. Why are you laughing at me? <laughs> I'm not. I'm laughing. I, honestly, I'm laughing at Taylor because I keep seeing his mic come on and then go off and then come on and then go off. Oh. I've been trying to cut in with something witty for so long, but you guys just hit, kept hitting me so many like poignant topics. I'm just like, I can't interrupt now. This will be silly. Uh, <laughs> it's great. That's so funny. I was about Sorry. to slide in with like, but how about that snake that bit that kid? And I was like, that doesn't seem like I should joke about it now. <laughs> anyway, well, I'm back for some more trivia. <laughs> Uh, TJ, would you play us in? Absolutely. 
Okay. Uh, TJ, I think you went second the last time in the last episode. So I'm going to go ahead and let you go ahead first. Um, so okay. this question will be worth 500 points. Uh, the kids of this film are constantly carrying around shovels. What is the standard handle length of a shovel? A, 48 inches, B, 54 inches, or C, 60 inches? That's so fucking rude. <laughs> okay, so if I'm to believe the movie, the shovel itself is five feet, right? So I'm going to say that the spade part of it is a foot. So I'm going to go with A, 48 inches. That's correct. Um, the standard the standard handle length is 40 inches, which does not account for the metal head of the shovel. I'm 60 inches, and I was like, I thought those shovels were in the biggest time. I think they might have been. Yeah, I guess they were. <laughs> so. Oh, man. Yasmin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Holes takes place in the desert of Texas. What is the maximum amount of rainfall in inches that a place can receive and still be called a desert? Is it A, 5 inches, B, 10 inches, or C, 15 inches? These questions are brutal. (laughs) No, I'm just sad because, like, I feel like I should know this because I feel like I was looking this up recently. Um, I'm going to say 15 inches. Unfortunately, no. According to the National Geographic Society, a desert receives no more than 10 inches of precipitation per year. Oh, my God. I feel like I should have gotten that one, which is a weird thing for me to be upset about not knowing. But, you know, it happens. I feel like you got to logic your way to your answer, though. See, I I was going off in nothing. I mean, that's fair. (laughs) (laughs) I used the movie uh, as a litmus test. <laughs> so second round is the everyday W points opportunity. Um, TJ, you'll be able to wager your points that you just received. Um, Yasmin, you'll be able to still answer this one for 500 points. Okay, cool. TJ, the warden's family was obsessed with uncovering buried treasure. When the most valuable buried treasure in the USA was recovered, what was its appraised worth? million, or $47 million? $47 million seems so... Like, I feel like we would have heard about that. And, you know... um, And it's... Okay, it's... uh, You said... 96... A good amount of thousands. (laughs) The first was $950,000. Second was ten million dollars, or forty-seven million dollars. Uh, I'm trying to think like who in America is burying treasure. Like all the like, I'm gonna go B ten million. That's correct. Oh. Uh, in in 2013, the Saddle Ridge hoard was found in the form of one thousand four hundred and twenty-seven gold coins. Uh, at the time they were buried, the face value is only $27,000, um, but they were then appraised by their weight in gold, which was $10 million. Wow. Wow. Who ba- who, I just want to know, like, who buried this? Do we know? Is it, like... Pirates? Well, <laughs> American pirates. We had pirates. Yeah, we had American pirates. Well, we had pirates who would come to America. True. And they True. would... There was like a huge shipwreck right off the coast, of the, like the Atlantic coast, and they, there was all this gold in the water. 
Um, these were actually found in Sierra Nevada, California, um, just buried on someone's property in an old rusted can. So not pirates. I don't think there were pirates over in the mountains. (laughs) Just an old miser. Just an old man burying stuff under his mattress. Uh, TJ, I just realized we didn't have you wager. That's okay. I'll take the flat 500. That's my beach. This trivia is way harder than I was anticipating. <laughs> There's no way you could prepare for it. There's absolutely no yeah, way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm, I'm sorry about this one, too. <laughs> yes, when, uh, for 500 points, the kids at Camp Green Lake are expected to dig a five by five foot hole each day. How deep is the deepest hole ever dug by hand? A, 810 feet. B, 1,045 feet, or C, 1,280 feet? First of all, you're not sorry. <laughs> and second of I'm, all... I am a little bit. Second of all, how much... How, what was A? 800-something? A was 810 feet. B is 1,045 feet. Okay. And C is 1,280 feet. These kids had to... Dig five foot hole every. I'm gonna go with the B one. Uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, it's C. One thousand two hundred eighty feet. It was no C. Way. Um, the no Wooding Dean Well was built between 1858 and 1862, and was used to supply water to a workhouse, which is otherwise known as a poorhouse. Oh um, so the people that were digging this, it was like a four foot diameter hole. And they had like a pulley system and they would lower people down like with just armfuls of dirt and they would just shovel it out that way. And people. the people that were like working to build it were also effectively working to supply themselves with water. Oh, that sounds horrendous. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't great. <laughs> yeah. Sounds horrifying. Um, so for the Mavis, this is the one that will be – Entered into the sidebar. Um, TJ, you can wager using your thousand, and uh, Yasmin, you can still answer for three hundred. Oh I, I believe no is the rule. <laughs> it's okay. You're playing with my uh, regular co-host points right now, so like, I'm good. I, you know, you can. No. Um, right, okay, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wager five hundred. Okay. All right, y'all ready? Mm-hmm. Uh, in the movie, the mess hall serves a diet of chili, beans, bread, and a dessert. What is the flavor of Jello announced over the loudspeaker when Stanley Stanley is receiving his first helpings? All right. Yep. Both correct. Uh, they announced banana jello over the loudspeaker. <laughs> Yay. I remember because I was like, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's like, very that's distinctive. Gross. Whenever it's like, it's just a bunch of bees and then it ends with banana. <laughs> what, what's our point totals now? Where are we at? Am I winning? Please tell me I'm winning. Well, yeah, I only got one right. <laughs> 
No, but I was behind. So the the points are cumulative over the entire season, oh, and I was I behind. Oh, and I was behind okay. last time, so now I'm stressed. Let me go ahead and check. Yeah, you searched ahead there for a sec. Um, so the current total is Jordan and Guess at eight thousand nine hundred and fifty, and TJ, you're at ten thousand nine hundred and thirty-three. Yes, get to play my victory lap music. And I have three hundred. <laughs> you contributed three hundred points to that total, so that's great. Yasmin is so disappointed in himself. Well, that's, well, <laughs> it's fact, okay. La- last week, last... TJ didn't get any points. <gasps> yeah, so it happens. I'm here. Oh God! Well, I'm I'm glad that you had my 300 to to add to your total. I'm sorry I couldn't do more for you, TJ. No, you no, you did fine for me. Uh, it's my my co-host Jordan who only got three hundred points added to him. That's what that's what sucks for him. But yeah, well, I think that this is a great time for us to go and get our drinks. We'll come back and we'll talk about holes and all its greatness. Okay, and uh, I'll play us out. Yasmin, how was your trip to the fridge? It was good. Pretty satisfactory, I'd say. I didn't really go... Well, I... Were you drinking? I did go to the fridge a little bit. Don't make fun of me. So I have tea. (laughs) I made myself a cup of tea. (laughs) Um, This is black tea, very strong black tea with milk and sugar. Um, But it is special today because yesterday I was baking or I was cooking yesterday, but then I had some rosemary from the garden because now I have rosemary in my garden, TJ, which is fun for me. And I made, Ooh, I know, bougie. I know. And I made a syrup with rosemary in it. So I have rosemary syrup in my tea and it is like very elite. It is like such a treat. But if you don't like that, if that wasn't exciting enough for you, I also have like some tequila. <laughs> I have, I got some. <laughs> I literally just poured myself like a shot of tequila. This is Casa Azul tequila that we that we got. That we mm. have. So that's what I like the way you have tea and tequila. Look yeah. at you. Yeah, that sounds like tequila. Tequila. Do you remember? Never mind. That's that's a tangent. We don't need. I to, remember tequila. No, tequila. We do not need to. <laughs> we never no, need to resurrect no, no, no. that. Anyway, what are you drinking? Oh, you know what's what? funny? What's funny? <laughs> You drinking tea and tequila? I was like, this feels like the Yasmin I know. (laughs) It feels so on brand. I don't don't even know what to do with that, but I get it. (laughs) In spite of myself, I get it. Um, um, Yes, because there were many. You you are. I didn't tell you. This is a complete tangent. That's totally fine. That's what we do Do here on the show. I got. A little 
ca- like a little ornate cast iron teapot with the Aww. basket and I got the glass the, the clear glass thing for like my blooming teas mm-hmm. and like I, I got the whole thing during COVID because I was like I need something else to get into I guess <laughs> and I have the little like the little I have the little t- the little ceramic uh-huh. teacups and everything uh-huh. like that I haven't ventured I haven't and I have like a brew chart for like how hot the water needs to be based on the uh-huh. types of teas but I haven't added milk to my tea yet. I'm afraid. I yeah, don't know why. Oh, my why. God. It's so much better. Well, I mean, like, we're Indian, so I, I – not we. I am Indian, so I – you know, and my family's also from a British colony. So black tea with milk and sugar is the only way to drink tea as far as I'm concerned. But um, but there's kind of a trick to it, and a lot of Americans, just because they're not really tea drinkers over here, um, they don't really know how to do it. So the trick is – you brew, you have to use boiling hot water, nothing below boiling, right? Or else it's not going to steep properly. It has to be strong. So you use boiling hot water, steep it in the tea, steep the tea for at least three minutes, and then you add your milk. Do not add the milk any sooner than that, or else it's going to bring down the temperature of the tea and it's not going to steep properly. And you're going to have a gross watered down cup of tea. Don't say it and warn you. Drop it. Yasmin's dropping that knowledge left and right, though. <laughs> I, I do know um, about tea. So, yeah. So I love good, it. good luck I love to it. you. Yes. Um, and what what I'm drinking is uh, I fr- there's one beer in my mm-hmm. fridge, and I didn't want to grab it because it's 12%, and I, I want to be able to that's talk a, that's a after, lot. This, after this episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's actually a Texas beer I got sent to me for my birthday, which was really nice. Of of my co-host Jordan, he sent me this beer. Very nice. um, but I'm actually drinking strawberry lemonade and gin because <laughs> there's something about it that feels summery. Like gin drinks just feel summery, and this movie feels like a summer movie. Okay. I don't know. Because they're in the desert and the hot, hot sun. Yeah, in the desert in Texas, which can I just say before we begin, movies that depict Texas like this make me so mad. They make me so mad. Why? Because like there's a scene at the very end of the movie and we're going to I'm going to bring it up again where they're at the bus mm-hmm. station and the bus station looks like a Wild West town. I'm like, where in Texas is this well, bus not station? In Houston. I can't like, find it. You only know Houston, like well, and San Antonio, I guess. No, I don't. Yeah. And Dallas, Fort yeah, Worth, and my family grew up in East Texas. Yeah, like, but you're not going to like these like weirdo West Texas places. I'm not going to those places. Uh, you, you know what? Sure, as, a tra- like, as a Texas transplant, I will say. When I was moving from Connecticut to Texas, I was like low key terrified and like telling my friends that I was moving to Texas, <laughs> telling my Yankee friends in Connecticut that I was moving to Texas. They were just like, it, it, it literally is like telling them you may as well have told them that you're moving to Australia or something or Cambodia, it was just like the most random place, right? Because they're just like, what? Like, Texas is another world to people who aren't from Texas, people who don't live here. They have no idea what goes on here. And it's true. I mean, I've been here for like 20 years. I still don't True. really know what this place is about. But I'm, I'm being completely honest. Like, I, will, I still don't really get Texas. It's my home, but I I will say it. that whenever whenever I took Taylor to Texas to, um, to actually visit Jordan mm-hmm. Kim, um, we, <laughs> we arrive in Austin. And 
we arrive at night and we're in an Uber. We're going to my friend's house. And Taylor's just looking around. He's like, I feel like every three miles is just a sign that you're getting ready to go somewhere else. Right? Like, he's like... He, He's like, he's like, if there's like strip malls and then there's, you know, and then there's nothing. And then there's a strip mall. And then there's, he's like, and places just announce themselves and then they go away. And then I was like, yeah. He said it felt like the biggest amusement park he's ever been in. And it's I was a like, weird vibe that's down accurate. here. It's a very weird vibe. And um, I think in the movie, weren't they more like kind of in the panhandle-ish? Or like mm-hmm. that way? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I will I say, I, I do miss... I do miss Texas sometimes, but you know, here we are. We're not here to talk about Texas. We're here to talk about holes that takes place in Texas. Uh, <laughs> holes was released in 20, uh, 2003. The budget of this movie was $20 million. You asked me, guess how much money this movie made? $50 million. $71.4 million. Wow. That's pretty good. That is, yeah, that is really good. Um, the cast is stacked too. It has Sigourney Weaver, mm-hmm. has John Voight, Dulé Hill. it has Patricia Arquette. Yeah, yeah, Dulé Hill, uh, Tim Blake uh, Nelson introducing Shia LaBeouf, mm-hmm. which I was like, what? Was that introducing um, Shia LaBeouf? Like, wasn't he already on the Disney Channel when this came out on Even Stevens? Or was this like his first movie? I think so, but. It might have been his first movie. Yeah, because I feel like I knew who he was when the movie came out. So so actually, he wasn't on... Oh, no. This was his first like big, big starring film. Okay. Uh, because he had been... Yeah, Even Stevens was from 2000 to 2003. Okay. So he had just finished Even Stevens. Right, yeah, because he was uh, younger he had on that done, show. Yeah, now that I think about it. Yeah. But he had only done he had done two movies before, but I guess smaller parts. So with this mm-hmm. being his first like big role, but in that year in two thousand three, Shia LaBeouf went on like a renaissance because two thousand three was Holes, Dumb and Dumberer, Charlie's Angels, Full Throttle, mm-hmm. and The Battle of Shaker Heights. And then two thousand four was I Robot. Two thousand five was Constantine. So like he was like, this is when Shia LaBeouf started to become that the was thing. His big break, which. Yeah, it was his big break, which is yeah. weird. But um, but this book uh, takes place in Texas, and it, it operates in like this weird sort of flashbacky. Uh, you start in the past, you go to the future. I mean, to the present. You go back to the past. You go back to the future. <laughs> um, and uh, the the the. I said this play, this movie uh, is around the Yelnitz family, which is Stanley spelled backwards. Um, And they are a group of men who are forever cursed by their no good pig stealing great grandfather. Great, great. Um, Yeah, great, great grandfather. And uh, Shia LaBeouf plays Stanley Yelnitz the fourth who is wrongly convicted for stealing a pair of shoes that literally fall from the sky. And so, like, the, the movie opens with, like, my dad says fate's real. And then he basically gets hit in the head with a pair of shoes. Um, and then he's running he's running down the block, and uh, the cops catch him. They're like, where, you still these sh- where do you get these shoes from? He's like, I don't know. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> this was where I was like, concern number one. Those cops would have believed him. They would have absolutely believed DJ. him. 
<laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. And you know, okay. You know what got me was the the judge. Whenever he he went he went to trial for stealing these shoes, and I was like, this is a lot for stealing some shoes, right? But I, I guess it was like you know they were good shoes, but um, or they were very valuable shoes that he happened to not steal, but the judge was like, yeah, I can put you away. And, you know, I wouldn't lose any sleep over it. And I was like, yeah, you, you like you wouldn't like, that's how these people are. These judges, right. It's like, yeah, I could destroy your life. And I wouldn't even think twice about it. I'm going to go home, sleep with my wife and then go to sleep, you know, or whatever. I don't know what these judges do. I don't know what they do. I don't know how they live their lives, but yeah. So that, that, that bothered me. And then, um, they sent him away for 18 months to basically a prison camp. 18 months for stealing these shoes for not stealing shoes (laughs) for not stealing shoes yeah it's important to note that like he lives with his mother father and grandfather and his father's trying to solve uh the the like he's trying to create an odor blocker for shoes basically the problem of Um, odor solve the problem of foot odor uh but we also get this like story from his grandfather who's like oh yeah you know um this this curse has followed our family forever there was this man who like he got robbed by uh kissing kate was that her name yeah yeah, yeah, like yeah. That? uh kissing yeah kate. he was robbed by what is her was uh kissing kate barlow, barlow yeah. Or Bar- yeah barlow yeah, and he's like, "Oh yeah, you, you know, uh, uh, my great my great grandfather got robbed by kissing Kate Barlow, uh, and she only kissed people that she killed, and they say that he lived for sixteen days on God's thumb, and like she robbed him of all his loot and blah 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 blah, and he's like, oh man, this curse is crazy, um, and then and then this is where the movie, and we talked about." I hinted a little bit about how this is very close to mm-hmm. the book. Um, but the issue becomes the fact that it is so close to the book that it doesn't take the liberties it needs to become like, I think very clear in its storytelling in a film because, because like, okay, cool. We have this flashback scene about how it relates to kissing Kate Barlow. And then we get a scene of, of uh stanley uh, uh of young shia labeouf of baby shia labeouf on a bus going to camp green lake and then we see this like weird sepia tone sort um, of yeah. mirage of this black man <laughs> with a mule and i'm like okay <laughs> and then we get a complete flashback right we get a complete flashback of stanley's great great grandfather being told by basically like trying to win this woman's hand in marriage uh by getting a pig from her and fattening it up and she's like take the pig to the top of the mountain every day and sing to it and then it's gonna you're gonna get stronger with it the pig's gonna get bigger and then take it to your love try to get her hand in marriage uh but then when when you're done come back take me to the top of the mountain and i can be strong and then right um and uh i forgot what her fucking name was she was eartha kit she was Eartha-Kit. played by eartha yeah. kit zaroni uh, madame zaroni 
Madame Zeroni. Yeah, and she's up there. She's like, do all this. She's also like, you should just go to America. Fuck this noise. But you're not going to. So, like, do this instead. <laughs> um, well, if, if, and so we get this thing playing out. Where, well, no, I was going to say, it's kind of like there was three sets of histories that we were getting that all kind of inter- intertwined, right? So you have, like, the Yelnats history, which starts in Latvia and then ends in America. Then you have the story of kissing Kate Barlow with the black man, the aforementioned black man in the mule and the, or the donkey. And then who is the other one? Uh... Oh, well, I guess you have, you have, yeah. you have the, maybe it's just the two. you have the Zeronis, but Zer- like not really yeah, mentioned. Yeah, okay. And then you have, yeah. Cause it was the, yeah, the Zeronis, yeah, the Yelnats and then kissing Kate. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, because it was Zero's great-great-grandmother and then Stanley's great-great-grandfather and then also the warden's ancestors. Yeah. Family, yeah. which becomes yeah. a okay. whole so entire that, different thing, of. right? That was the third and one. So- yeah, and so, like, he's like, oh, man, this is weird, right? And then this is – so the movie tries really hard to find where it – like its place in this first act because he's like <laughs> he's like i'm on my way to uh camp green lake i have this flashback about you know madame zeroni and my great great grandfather or whatever i find out that he didn't complete his mission to take her to the top of the mountain so my family's cursed and then he steps out of the bus and he meets zero he meets zero zigzag armpit squid x-ray and magnet and they're like man you're a punk and then another flashback happens like basically there's like we're with them for like three minutes maybe and then there's like a five minute flashback Mm, and um and then and this time when we flashback we're in texas uh, with uh, Kissing Kate Barlow before she became, becomes Kissing Kate, and we are with uh, her lover, Sam. That's generous <laughs> to call her his lover, or call him her lover. Well, yeah, they're I making mean, eyes at each other, but Sam is an... were allowed to be, so, sure. Yeah, yeah, this is this is when this movie becomes secretly about racism. But it's, is it secret um, at all? Because... Like, it's not secret, it just is, right? Because... Well, I, I don't want to get ahead. The reason I say secretly is because it, the reason I say secretly is because like there's nothing to prompt us in the first 25 minutes of this movie that this is what this is. I wasn't be. ready for any of this movie to so like and this is my first time seeing it, right? <laughs> like I, I'm 34 years old and this is my first time seeing it, and I went in blind, right? I d- intentionally didn't read about it before I watched it. And all I knew was that it was like these children who had to dig holes. That's literally all I knew about this movie. So everything, I was just like, what, 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 what? Like the whole time I was watching it. So. <laughs> I love how you're like, I wasn't prepared I for wasn't anything. I wasn't prepared for any of it. <laughs> I was like taking notes on my phone. I was like, oh my God. Because I don't know, it's just a lot. But anyway, I don't want to jump ahead of the recap. No, you're you're all good. Um, and then so we get this we get this moment with Sam. He's an onion salesman. And he's like selling the onions to onion. everybody, which I was like, the okay, best onions around. The best onions, sweetest the, onions, the sweetest onions. He has to cross a lake in his boat to go to his onion. The patch. boat that he made himself. Like, okay. He's very handy. Very handy. We find yeah, which is very central. It's very centrally played up in this movie. I was like, this this turned into like you know one of those dime store novels. I, told real you, quick. I was not ready for any of it. Like I wasn't ready for any of it. 
and it's Dooley Hill, and I loved him, and I was just like, oh, damn, Dooley. <laughs> it's like, it's a lot. Yeah, it, it was a lot, but basically, he, uh, he Kate Barlow, she's all like, ah, I got, I, yeah, he mm. can. <laughs> she's like, I got some peaches for you, and he's like, okay, but then we have this other dude named Trout, his <laughs> Trout Walker, who, ironically, here's the thing about Trout Walker. Trout Walker died, like the, the actor who played him, Scott Plank, died in a car accident six months before the film Aww. was released. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. Uh, which is which is really sad. Um, but he, he plays, he's he's basically the owner of the town's, like, He son, owns the right? lake, too. And so he wants, he does yeah. own the lake, yeah. And he wants Kate Barlow to be his own, but Kate Barlow only has eyes for for black sam um which causes for issues black sam. <laughs> cut back to the kids right who are being mean to stanley for literally no reason that's just what kids do they have um, to like you know haze the new kid a little bit i thought that they were decent after some initial understandable hazing but also like it becomes really in the book. You can spend time with them. You can kind of endure mm-hmm. yourself to them, but it's really hard to just get this group of kids who are like, "Yeah, we're on a shitty situation, but your situation is going to be shittier," you know. <laughs> and they're just like picking on them in but, such a way. But one of them did say, "You know, it, 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 the first hole is the hardest," and I was like, "Oh, that was nice," you know. So like they hate them a little bit, but then, yeah. but then they're they were okay. True. See, I think that I, I, I yeah. I'm seeing but it with yeah. different eyes from you because it was my very, very first time seeing. Because you've seen it before, right? Yeah. Yeah, I guess because no, I'd read the book before, and oh, I guess like okay. part of the thing that I, part of the thing I was craving is that like in the book, they never felt like extremely antagonistic. Okay. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like they felt like they were all suffering together, and they might have been like a little snide, but like. This, their suffering in this felt like, yeah, we're the cool kids who've been in here for six months. So, like, fuck it, whatever. You know, like the kids who have been in detention mm-hmm. every Saturday yeah. for forever and always. Um, See, I did kind of get that vibe but, the first time I watched it. Like, I kind of expected them to be like, hey, this is how it is uh, whenever he first got there. But then, you know, I think that they moved past that pretty relatively quickly, I'll, I'll say. It wasn't like shot. Well, like, yeah, it takes him. Yeah, it takes him actively beating up a kid or almost beating up a kid for them to respect him, right? They're like, oh, yeah. you almost beat up that dude. We're going to give you a nickname. Your, your nickname's <laughs> Caveman. And he's like, cool, I'm Caveman. And Stanley falls into like lockstep yeah. with them Yeah. after that. But basically, uh, there's Mr. Sir, who is played by John Voight. Uh, and there is uh, the doctor who is uh, the fake mm-hmm. doctor who is played by uh, Tim Blake Nelson, who basically they're the ones who run stuff for the boys and they are told basically dig a hole every day, five foot wide by five foot deep, your shovel's your measuring stick. And uh, when you're done with your hole, you're done for the day. Mm -hmm. Right. And we have zero who is uh, this, this tiny little mixed race boy who dig hole, who digs holes faster than absolutely anybody. Um, but Zero doesn't talk, except for when Stanley's like, yeah, I got caught for stealing shoes. Uh, and Zero's like, did the shoes look like this? And Stanley's like, yeah, they did. Which, so this is where I was like, my adult brain 
get so far ahead mm-hmm. of the story, it's not even funny. But where does my kid brain sit? Yeah. You know what I mean? Where yeah, I was like, adult? yeah, because okay. he stole the shoes. I was like, he stole the shoes. How else would you know what the shoes mm-hmm. look like, my dude? You know? um, yeah, so, you know, now, I'm like, because I didn't think that at the time. But I was like, maybe I should have. Because, yeah, how would he have known that? But I think at the time when I was watching it, I was just like, more, I was more focused on, like, why did he talk? Because you know, he, he never talks, right? That's his thing. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't talk to anybody. So I was like, why do you talk to him? But it didn't occur to me that, like, he's... Because I, I think because I also thought that he had been there for longer. But I guess he had just got there right around mm-hmm. the same time as, as Stanley did. So I didn't realize that. Yeah. There's one thing to note is that the the Tim Blake Nelson's character is portrayed to be like... I am the I'm the doctor, I'm the psychiatrist here, and I'm all about touchy-feely stuff, and I'm here to make people feel good and, like, rehabilitate them, right? But when he talks about Zero, he's like, this dumb little dumbass with all the dumbness and his that stupid little head. I'm like, brain. shit, yeah. my dude. Yeah, and I was like, uh, that's rude as hell. Well, what do you say? <laughs> like, You're not a bad person. And I was like, oh, these, none of these thing. kids. Are that's, what he, that's how he starts off. But, yeah. I mean, other than that, like, he also encourages them to fight. You know, like, he's not... He's not very good at his job, I guess. Yeah, there was fake job. There, there were things about his character in particular that I was like, "There's a lack." Like, I'm confused about his character arc as to how he is hosting group sessions while also encouraging children to fight. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess they're just shitty people. I guess that's just what it comes down to, and they're just like <laughs> they pretending to to be these things, but they're not those people. And he's not a real doctor, you know. He's just like I'm supposed to pretend to be this because in case some kind of like auditor comes through, I have to say that yeah, I run group with the kids. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's important to note that Mister Sir has warned Stanley about these yellow spotted lizards, and that one bite from these yellow spotted lizards will kill him, and that that's why Mister Sir has a gun. Uh, is to kill the yellow spotted lizards, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we we flash, and Stanley's out there. He's digging holes. He he's not finding anything. The kids like fucking give him a hard time about shit. Mm-hmm. But we flash back to um, back in Texas, where Sam, where Black Sam, the onion merchant, is uh, talking to Kissing Kate Barlow, mm-hmm. and uh, he goes into her schoolhouse one day. And it's uh, it's leaking from the rain. And he's like, oh, you know, I could fix that leak. And she's like, I, you know, I don't know if you need to. And he's like, how about this? You give me some of your peaches. I, I'll, I'll fix that for you. And I was just like, if y'all don't stop with this in your window. And so he fixes her roof. And then she's reading to the kids. Like she's teaching a kid how to read. And he finishes the quote. And she's like, Samuel. And she, it's like really like almost antebellum swept up in the in the in the beauty of it all sort of moment. This this whole and so Sam's like, I could fix that. It's he's like, I can fix this whole section was so sexual. <laughs> I mean, it was a lot, right? I I was not ready. And I'm also like not prepared for Dooley Hill in such a role in this Disney child movie. And I um I mean, I was into it, but it, 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 you know what though? It was very, (laughs) it made me very uncomfortable because I knew where it was going, right? Like I, you can kind of tell, you can see the writing on the wall. And again, 
that I was not ready for either. I was just like, I wasn't expecting all of this in this movie. And I was just like, I don't want to see what's about to happen because I know what's about to happen. And then it happened. Oh my God, yeah. it was so sad. It's so yeah. sad. <laughs> as, as Sam and Kate Barlow are starting to have this relationship, we also see Sam like rowing across the lake in this boat, the Mary Lou and all this other stuff, getting onions. And he's like, every time Kate's like, Kate's crying over a book and Sam goes up to her and is like, I can fix that. And I'm like, please don't. Like, this is too much. Yeah. This is, this is Just porn. Just get out of there, Sam. Um, Leave her alone. Yeah. But one night, Kate is teaching the adults how to read, right? <laughs> and Trout, basically, after class, is like, hey, um, Kate, how about we go get a picnic? And Kate's like, no, nah, I'm good. And he's like, no, but we can go get a picnic. And she's like, no, nah, for real, though, I'm good. He's like, no one says no to Trout. And she says, I believe I just Damn. did. And this was the point. I was, I was like, I was like, hell yeah. But he sees her making eyes at Sam. And what does he do? He burns her schoolhouse no, she down. she sees him kissing Sam. She's, that's right. Yeah. That's right. He sees her kissing Sam. He tells the whole town. They burn her schoolhouse down. And then they go to kill Sam. And Sam's rowing across the the lake to get away. And they shoot, shoot him, him. Dead yeah. in the boat. And then Kate Barlow, who is a school teacher, she runs and tells the sheriff, hey, they're burning down the schoolhouse. And the sheriff is drunk. And he goes, oh, yeah, can I get a kiss too, Kate? You kissed that black man. And, and, she, and <laughs> she was like, well, I kissed him back. You know, he didn't do nothing wrong. And then he said, well, it's not illegal. For you to kiss him, it's illegal for him to kiss you. And I was like, damn. So in case you forgot where you were and what time you were in, then that reminded you. And so then, then what happens? After they kill Sam, (laughs) she goes to the jailhouse and she finds the sheriff and she goes, hey, sheriff, do you want that kiss now? And he goes, okay. And she shoots him, kills him dead. And then she kisses him, leaving a lip mark on his cheek. And that's how she got her name, Kissing Kate Barlow. That's how she gets the name Kissing Kate Barlow. Mm-hmm. It's so, like, it's so much. All the while, fucking uh, uh, Stanley, fi- Stanley slash Caveman now, finds a tube uh, that's labeled KB in the ground, mm-hmm. right? And so you're starting to piece together that they're digging on the lake where all this mm-hmm. happened. Here's mm-hmm. the thing, though. And this is where I started to question the structure of the movie because this this movie is for kids. Mm-hmm. It's for young adults, mm-hmm. right? But this movie also moves with an assumption that the young adults here have read the book because there's a lot of context clues that, that are not said that you're just expected to put together, right? This is a movie that if you are a smart kid, you can pick up on all the stuff. But what about the kids who are just like, just there to watch just the movie watching. and they're not yeah. really understanding how all the pieces. Yeah. You know what though? Yeah. Cause there's a lot of pieces. But, so this is my, I, I haven't read the book and I've never seen the movie before. And I feel like I followed it and I feel like I had all the pieces that I needed for the movie to make sense without having read the book. But I think a lot of movies, when you're a kid, you watch them and you, you think you enjoy them. And then you watch them again later and you're like, Oh, there was a lot more to that movie. So I think that there's still stuff for the kids to enjoy in the movie as they're watching it. But kids, like, they're just not going to get all the stuff. They're just not going to. And you can't expect them to necessarily. Like, I don't think that 
if I was a movie maker and I was making a movie for young adults or kids that I wouldn't, you know, necessarily, I don't want to say dumb down the movie, but I wouldn't want to make it too obvious just so that the kids can follow it. Like they'll figure it out eventually, even if it's 10 years later, you know? Yeah, that's the issue with Frozen 2, to be honest with you. Frozen 2 is Frozen not 2. my favorite Frozen movie. How many are when there? When I tell you they dumb that two, shit down, there? there's two. Okay. <laughs> They're making a third, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm with you. I, I hear you on that because I start to wonder, is this – this is where I start to ask myself, and I asked myself this last night when I was watching the movie. Is this movie so good that it – establishes the layers that like the eight-year-old can get the 13-year-old can get and the parent can Mm -hmm. get or is this movie just really bad at hitting the eight-year-old you know what i mean like is it i mean where where does that lie does that make sense yeah i get what you're saying but i think that eight-year-olds watch all kinds of movies that they don't understand and they enjoy it you know they don't understand that they don't that they're not getting everything out of a movie so they're just like whoa she killed him you know like that's the things that they focus on like ah they're making them dig all these holes you know and they like the the lore of madame zaroni and the original stanley yelnats you know so they they still enjoy all those kinds of things but i think if i was i mean you're a playwright so maybe you have more insight here than i do But if I was to craft a story like this, I think I would just make sure that I had all those components that needed to be there, there. And then if you miss Mm -hmm. something, then that's on you. And maybe when you're older, you'll, you'll figure it out and it'll, you know, the story will become more robust as you get older kind of thing. But as long as all the components are there, I think that's, that's all that needs to happen. You know, people will take whatever they need to and whatever they can out of it for however old they are, wherever they are in their life. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think that the, I actually think that the movie really finds itself in its pacing after this last long flashback. Because after this flashback, you find that Zero's name is Hector Hector, is actually Hector Zeroni, right? He's related to Madame Zeroni. Oh my God. When, at that, um, that reveal, I was watching this with, with Kevin, my boyfriend, and I was like, oh, Zeroni. And Kevin was like, oh my God. Because, like, he, he had seen the movie before. I was like, Zeroni? And he's like, yeah, Zeroni. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so that that was like a that was a big reveal for me. I was like, oh my! And I think like at a certain point, again, I didn't know what to expect with this movie, so I didn't know that there was like all this lore and like all these you know connections and things like that. So then it just became really fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think that the movie really picks up after this last big flashback because you have there are two central images that aren't that are kind of hinted at at the beginning of the movie that really solidify here. And it's the mixing of onions and Mm -hmm. peaches. Right. So, uh, and, and so, uh, Hector one day he's, he's trying to get Stanley to teach him to read. And Stanley's like, I'm kind of tired at the end of the day. And Hector's like, uh, He's like, I'm a fast hole digger. I'll help dig the hole for you. So that way you can teach me how to read. Right. They get in trouble for that shit. And Zero is like, I'm not digging any holes anymore. And they're like, you're right. You're not going to be digging anyone else's holes. And he's like, no, I'm not digging any holes anymore. And he hits <laughs> fucking mom against the face with, he hits Tim Blake Nelson against the, well, across the face. Well, because he's talking so with, much shit um, to the kid. And he's like, there's nothing in your head. You don't need to know how to read. Like, you're too dumb to read. Here, take this shovel and go dig some holes. And he's like, oh, okay. So, like, he does listen to this man insult him in front of everyone. And so he bashes him with this <laughs> shovel. Like, why, why would you give a child a shovel 
after you berate him like that publicly. Like, come on. This was actually my favorite part of the Smacks movie. Him in the face. Because out of all, out of all the characters, out of all the oh, the warden Sigourney Weave is the warden. She's like they find the gold tube, and she's like, "Dig here. We need to find whatever this is linked to, whatever." Um, and Sigourney Weaver comes out knowing she's a bad bitch, and she's great. Sigourney Weaver is so good at yeah. everything that oh, she's yeah, in. She great. Um, um, but yeah, when when Zero beats the crap out, like hits the crap out of this dude. I was like, hell yeah. Because honestly, Sigourney Weaver, she's like, she's bad and she's villainous, but she never does anything to actually physically hurt the kids, right? Mr. Sir is just like a wimp, mm-hmm. but like. He saves Stanley from Tim that, Blake from that character. lizard that one time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's Tim Blake Nelson's character that I was like, you don't have to do all this like mental fuckery. Like, calm your yeah. ass. Right? Um, so. Uh, Zero then runs off into the distance, right? We see a mountain in the distance, and he starts running that way. Um, Then, uh, the next day, Stanley, a.k.a. Shia LaBeouf, uh, they have a new kid comes in. His name is Twitch, and Twitch is all like, oh, yeah, I steal cars. This is awesome. And he basically convinces Stanley to steal the car. And Stanley steals the water truck, is going to drive it into the desert after uh, Zero, drives the truck into a hole, and then has to get out and run. I was, we were watching that and I was like, how is he going to be looking back while he's driving and there's a million holes everywhere? Like, please keep your eye on where you're going. Please just look, just stay looking forward. Don't worry about what's going on behind you. Just stay looking forward. And he did not do that. And he drives it straight into a five foot deep hole. Worst potholes I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I, I was also like, bro, hey, you don't know how to drive. Why are you not paying attention to what you're doing? <laughs> um, but yeah, he so he takes off in the distance. All the while, uh, the warden, played by Sigourney Weaver, is like, oh, we have to erase their fucking records. We have to erase their records. We can't fucking let them know that they're here, right? Which is like shitty on all sorts of levels. Like she's administratively shitty. Mr. Sir is like neglect shitty. And then uh, mom is just like mentally shitty. It's like all the shitty trauma that an adult can do in three person. It's the trinity of trauma. That's what they are. The trinity um, of trauma. I mean, I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it, it's, it's almost like, like she's so greedy and there's all this like bureaucracy surrounding everything that they do too, because, you know, they're basically running a, semi-illegal operation they definitely like bribe that judge to get him to send kids to their prison camp you know like like something happened there like the second one goes missing the second one goes missing he sends yeah another. yeah and and she's just like thinking of all these ways to cover it up it's like the bureaucracy plus the greed plus like whatever kind of weirdo generational trauma that she is dealing with right it's like it's robbed her of any mm-hmm. of her humanity because now she has these children and she's abusing them and she doesn't care that one of them might die in the desert. She's only worried about what's going to happen to her and her whole operation. Like maybe I won't be able to find my treasure. You know, it's really sad. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which, yeah, you start to figure out that like, and then they have this really weird flashback, which is just not good cinematography, but it's kind of fun of like kissing Kate Barlow, <laughs> running through the West, robbing people. Like it's weirdly sped up. And then there's like intercuts of like trains for no reason. And there's obviously like stock Train footage robbing. insulted. Yeah. 
you know, and, yeah. and that's what I, like, um, I was watching this and I was thinking how she was a school teacher, you know, she was a school teacher. She loved her job. She liked doing it. She was a good person. She gave back to the community. She had this beautiful schoolhouse and because some incel got mad at her, now she can't be a teacher anymore. <laughs> and so it's like, like we, we can't have teachers anymore. We're not making it worth it for people to be teachers. Like it's easier to become an outlaw or like get on OnlyFans than it is to be a teacher these days. You know, it's like it's the same <laughs> shit that we're always dealing with, you know? I love the connection between uh, a Western outlaw and an OnlyFans creator. <laughs> I want to get that on the like, t-shirt. The I'm either going to rob a train or start an OnlyFans. <laughs> I respect the hustle. You know, do what you got to do. But I mean, like, I try. I mean, it's like she tried to contribute to society. She wanted to help the children, but no, they didn't let her. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the number of people that have professional ass jobs that I know who also sell feed pics on the internet because they ain't making enough TJ, money, TJ, I get it. Let me tell you how close I am to selling pictures of my feet on the internet. Like, let me tell you how close I am. To <laughs> <laughs> it's like we are underpaid. You know, like we are all just underpaid. You're like, and it's my my my, my damn. You're like I'll use that extra four hundred dollars a my, month. My damn morals, and it's just like, can I just can I just not be this way? Can I just you know, whatever? It's not even morality. It's just like I'm just not gonna send you a picture of my feet. But you know, sometimes I really wish I would because I can sell them. Yeah, you're like it's. You're like here it is, um, but yeah, and so kissing Kate Barlow. Uh, she's running around the country. She's collecting all her treasure and all this other stuff. And it shows, uh, and it shows Mr. Fucking Yelnitz getting robbed by her again. Stanley g- running through the, through the desert finds, uh, a boat called the Mary Lou turned upside down in the middle of what used to be the lake. Right. And then you find out that the lake hasn't, uh, wait, no, you don't find that out yet, but he finds zero underneath the boat and zero is eating this thing called sploosh which are preserved peaches. This is when I realized, so Zero gets sick off of these preserved peaches later. This is when I realized, it's because they fermented. Yeah. Zero's He's getting drunk. drunk. Yeah. <laughs> Zero's. Yeah, yeah. This is alcohol. Zero's <laughs> fucked up. He's drinking like <laughs> Zero's peach getting fucked up or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But basically, Stanley's like, you got to go back, you got to go back, you got to go back. And Zero's like, I ain't fucking going back to that shit. And then he looks out and he says, oh, wait. You see that mountain? It looks like a thumb. His great grandfather, his great great grandfather, was said to have survived on God's thumb. He's like, that's probably God's thumb. So the stories are starting to collapse on each other, right? And so as they are going towards the mountain and start to climb the mountain, which, by the way, uh, Stanley Yonitz and and Hector Zeroni are the best free climbers on the face of the planet. Because when I tell y'all they attack these cliffs. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, how are they just climbing this mountain right now? Like, they have no gear. They're dehydrated. They haven't. They're drunk. <laughs> like, 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 <laughs> like, how are they just climbing this mountain right now? They have no carabiners, like nothing, 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 <laughs> nothing. nothing. They don't just bare hands and, and a, a shovel. shovel. They're doing it with a shovel, like holding a shovel. Like, <laughs> oh god! And so zero 
doesn't do so well on the mountain and he it was oh my god because he because because the alcohol catches up with him it was very sam and frodo that that moment it was very because I'm, I'm watching and i was like oh no he's not doing so well and i was like and i heard sam like i can't carry it for you mr frodo but i can carry you and then he picks him up and he he carries him to the top of mount doom into the you know to the fire to toss the ring in so that they had a lot of and that's exactly and what stanley energy. does i loved it yeah he scoops up, he scoots up zero. He's like, we're going to make it to the top. We're going to make it to the top. And then when they get to the top, they find like there's water there. There's a whole lot of onions. This is, uh, for all intents and purposes, the onion patch that Sam used to boat to every day, which also says that that lake was deep as hell. That lake was high yeah, as hell. Yeah, I was a little confused about that. Um I mean, he did say that he had to row his boat to the other side of the lake to get the onions, right? So maybe yeah. it wasn't in the lake, but it was just right outside the lake, just off the lake, you know? But Either way, that's yeah, a high... Like that's climbing a high... That, that mountain every day just for these onions? For onions? Yeah. Yeah, know. no. Like, bro, you better find something else to do. <laughs> Mr. Bob the Builder over there. Yes, you can fix it. But... <laughs> um, and so, but then we go back to the past and we find uh, Kiss, Kiss and Kate Barlow running around the desert and she finally, like, finds the Mary Lou turned upside down in the desert. And you get you get her being attacked by Trout, right? And then Trout is like, where's the treasure? Where'd you bury it? She's like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. He's like, where'd you fucking bury it? It hasn't rained here since since we killed Sam because Sam is linked to the weather. And she's like... <laughs> Nah, I ain't telling you shit. And so from underneath the boat, a yellow spotted lizard comes out and she's like, she puts a curse on Trout and is like, hey, may you and your family dig for a hundred years and never find it, right? So come to find out that Trout is the great, great grandfather of the warden played by Sigourney Weaver. And so that's why she's there to dig because her grandpa used to take her out there and be like, there's a treasure out here. I know there is, and we're going to find it. Um, uh, and that's where we get the TikTok sound. I don't want to do this, grandpa. Well, that's too damn bad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Which I was like, I forgot that's where this is from. Uh, and so her whole life, well, her whole life after that point, and you kind of understand why she's so zealous about digging for this treasure, because that's all she knew. That's all she knew how to value as a kid. That's all she was taught, you know? And I was thinking about it, and you see it with her and then with Stanley and with Zero. They're all living these lives because of, you know, what their ancestors did, which is a really interesting commentary on how the lives of our ancestors uh, kind of dictate or inform, I'll say, inform the lives that we lead today. Uh, they they shape who we are, our character, the things that we value, the things that we know, the things that we know how to do. And, you know, we become these people. Um, not that we don't have any agency of our own, but sometimes it, it is really hard to break out of that. Oh, 100%. A hundred percent. And, you know, and so things start to become like a self-fulfilling prophecy mm -hmm. where at the top of the mountain. So Stanley has taken a Zeroni up the top of the mountain. So that curse is now broken. Mm -hmm. um, 
Hector and Stanley start eating all these onions because that's the only food that they have. And I was like, man, y'all stomachs must be sick. <laughs> but either way, but they're like, hey, I know where we found the gold tube. I bet you there's something else there. Let's go back and dig it up. They get back real quick. Like real yeah. quick. Yeah. Well, they have the vitality of the onions because remember the onions, they, they, they were a cure-all, right? They cured everything. So that's right. They had water and they had these cure all magical sweet, sweet onions. Yeah. And so they run back. Um, and oh, also, right as the curse got gets um, broken, uh, Stanley's father, who's still trying to solve the, the stinky shoes, accidentally drops a thing of peaches and onions into a boiling thing of water and it solves and like it makes the shoes not spell. So they become fucking, they get lots of money. And they can magically afford a lawyer. And the lawyer is like, where's Stanley? And they're like, oh, he's not here today. Um, and so the warden's, the warden's all up in arms being like, she's going to come back in three days. But Stanley and Zero go back to the hole where Stanley found the gold tube. They dig. They find a treasure chest. Uh, but it is surrounded by yellow spotted lizards. Come to find out, the onion smell keeps the yellow spotted lizards from wanting to eat you. Or bite you. Um, so that was for you have this mix you know. again of onions and peaches. It was foreshadowed in the uh, when in the flashback when he's selling the onions from the cart, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Yeah, he said something like, "Yeah, that's the one thing that they don't like is is my onions or something like that." I remember what he said. Yeah, yeah, and so uh, the warden comes out, finds them with the treasure chest. He's like, "Give it to me." The state comes out, the lawyer comes out, and is all like, where's Stanley? Oh, there he is in a hole f- color- covered by lizards. Uh, and then they uh, um, they sit there and – hold on. I'll end with this. It's a little spotty, mm-hmm. but also it's snowing here and it's shitty, so that's what's happening. It's snowing? Yeah, it's been snowing for the past two days. Get out of here. Yeah, it sucks. Um, But yeah, and I'm going to mark. So yeah, they're in this hole. They have the treasure chest. The state comes. They find Stanley and Hector in the bottom of this hole. Hector can finally read. He reads Stanley's name. Come to find out that the treasure chest is actually Stanley's family's treasure chest. They, uh, and then the whole entire thing just kind of unravels from there in a very weird, like, everything is just like, oh, yeah, everybody's connected to everybody. And so here we are. Here we go. Here's the story. The treasure's Stanley's. Uh, let's take Hector back. Oh, and it rains again for the first time in like decades, right? We find out that the warden uh, was trying to chase this gold the whole time. We find out that Mr. Sir is uh, on the run from the law. We found that mom is now the real doctor. Uh, and Stanley's basically like, I'm not going anywhere without zero. Um, which, you know, I was like, hey, way to pull that move. I will say this during this scene, while Stanley's up here, like, I'm not going without him. If I was his lawyer, I'd be like, get your ass in the car and let's go. Like, she was way too patient. Yeah. I mean, I thought she could have let him say goodbye to his friends <laughs> a little longer. 
there was a moment where X-Ray was like, I'm going to see you again. I'm going to see you again. I'm like, how? He ain't got your phone number. He ain't got your address. He don't know where you're from. He don't know none of that information. Yeah, but they, they did because whatever they got all the money, then he just had a pool party and all the kids were there. Yeah, very true. Very true. So he kept his promise. I don't know how he did it. I don't know the logistics of how that worked out, but it did. Yeah, true. And so I feel he, like in, so, in that time period, like the early 2000s, late 90s, you know, people just like made shit like that happen. You know, I think today we overcomplicate things. You know, I think you're right. And honestly, I can't forget the power of, of a phone book. Because remember back in the day, you could just look up someone's name in the phone book and have their phone number. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it was it was, you know, you just did it. You know, I think now people have all this weird anxiety around, um, you know, just making plans with people. And these were just normal things that we used to do in the 90s and early 2000s before everybody had cell phones. He just figured it out, you know, like, that's fine. True, true. I saw on Instagram some kid was talking about, like, wouldn't it be nice if there was, like, phones that were available in public in case your cell phone dies? And we're like, yeah, we used to have those. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and they were they were functional. Payphones been there, done that, and it stopped. People stopped using them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I. But yeah, they have a pool party at the end where it is. Yeah, I'd be okay with bringing those back. Yeah, they have a pool party at the end where it's revealed that oh yeah, Hector and his mother find each other. They have a pool party at the end where they reveal that Sploosh is now the new shoe uh, de stinking thing, and then like Shia LaBeouf has like a terrible line about like. You know, you can like dig to your future, some, <laughs> some, something terrible like that. Does he? Say, I, I don't even remember that line. Now I wish I, I guess I just like thought the movie was done and stopped paying attention. <laughs> it's a really line. bad no, ending sorry. line, but then the movie ends basically, right? Okay. Um, All right. So that's, that's holes. Yasmin, with this being your first experience with holes in any way, shape, or form, what mm-hmm. what are you taking away from this experience? So much, like so much, like there was so much that that, like I said, I just wasn't prepared for that I wasn't anticipating in this movie because all I really knew about this movie was that the kids dig holes and it was a Disney movie, so I thought it was gonna have you know some prison allegories you know that kind of thing I was expecting maybe that but you know the racism and then the history and then you know all the superstition I was not ready for any of that which I I really enjoyed it though you know I liked all of that and the way that all the pieces came together was really clever and I feel like sometimes movies these days just aren't as clever anymore you know and it made sense that this was based off of a book and that the author himself wrote the screenplay for the movie because you know it was it was just well put together I thought, um, but you know, there, there was a lot of themes in this movie, right? There's a lot going on. Uh, we talked about ancestral trauma generational trauma and the way that your ancestors lives, how all of that informs the life that you lead today and who you are and the things that you value, right? We talked about how bureaucracy and greed and these kinds of things can rob us of our humanity in a way that, you know, we, we learn how to value the wrong things, right? We're so worried about getting in trouble with the law. We're so worried about um, what people will say. We're so worried about the wrong things that a child can be literally dying in the desert and you're worried about other things, right? There should be nothing more important than that. Uh, the fact that teachers are underappreciated, 
you know, that felt very topical, <laughs> strangely topical. The fact that this woman became an outlaw because some guy didn't, you know, got jealous. Some racist guy was jealous that um, she found love somewhere, you know, and that's so sad because love is so hard to come by anyway, you know, without putting all these rules and stipulations and limitations on who you're allowed to love. Like, what a crazy thing when you really think about it. And, you know, just the sake of, you know, work for the sake of work, that whole theme, right? Because like we were talking about at the beginning, these kids, they don't know why they're digging. They don't know that they're looking for anything. They were told that they're not looking for anything, that they're just digging for the sake of their rehabilitation, which makes no sense. And the kids probably know that. They, you know, but it, even even like prison labor, you kind of know what you're like. Even if you're, you know, making license plates in prison or something, at least you know that you're making license plates and that's going to go somewhere to someone. They're going to use it. These kids are just digging holes for the sake of digging holes. And it felt kind of like the myth of Sisyphus and how he's just pushing this rock up a mountain. And he's like, well, I may as well be doing this or anything else. It really doesn't matter because life is meaningless. And that's kind of what I thought of. I, it felt like a really weird presentation of the myth, myth of Sisyphus to me. I love that. That's a lot that I just said. I feel like. I love that. Well, what would you rate it on a scale of one to ten? If if someone said, Yasmin, what would you give this a rating? What would it be? Um and I guess it depends on as far as what I would give it maybe a seven, like a strong seven or eight, even. Um, you know, for, for what it is, right? For a, a children's movie. Um I mean, as a children's movie, I think it does maybe better than a seven or an eight. Um, cause I, I still got a lot out of it as an adult watching this movie. There was a lot of layers to it. It was fun. It was entertaining. The characters were, were, you know what? The characters also were good. Like the kids in the, in the prison camp, like, I think it was magnet. These kids aren't bad kids, right? They're just victims of the system that's working against them. Right. I think it was magnet, but he was there because he tried to let these animals out of cages, you know, and he was like, I don't like seeing animals in cages. So what he did wasn't wrong necessarily. It wasn't morally wrong. I should say, maybe it was illegal. Maybe he shouldn't have done what he did, but he didn't feel bad about it. And I don't blame him for not feeling bad about it, you know, because he, it came from a good place in his heart. He didn't like to see the animals in cages and animals really shouldn't be in cages like that. And so he let him go you know, and he was punished for it because the society that we built and this, you know, criminal justice system that we built punishes things like that. And it discourages people from really being the best that they can be. And it punishes people for stepping outside of an arbitrary line that we've set for ourselves. And I thought that was an interesting aspect of it too. I give it an eight. Final answer. Yeah. You know, I I am actually going to give it a, a seven um, because I do think it's a good movie. I do think that it suffers from not having someone adapt it who's not the uh, the book writer, the novel writer, who like deeply understands movie structure. Because mm -hmm. I think the movie f takes a while to find its its pace of those flashbacks um and and the way it tells the story mm -hmm. but i think that once we land in that longer flashback with sam and kate barlow that's when the movie really kind of coalesces around what it wants to be and how it wants to tell the story mm -hmm. and i think it does it really effectively from that point on um you know i i do think that those themes that are there they're great for adults 
They're great for kids, uh, older kids. And I, I do think that younger kids will still have stuff that they can pull from it. Um, and honestly, the child performances still stand up uh, because child performances are just really hard to good child performances are just really hard to come by in general. So that much, I really appreciate it for it. So for that, I am also, I'm going to give it a seven. I'm going to give it a seven. Seven is where it sits with me. Yeah. Uh, And again, I think you have a better eye for things like that as far as like composition and structure. And whenever I finally write my novel or my screenplay for my chick flick that I'm going to make millions of dollars off of, then I will consult you on that. So. I greatly appreciate that because I, I will have yeah. thoughts. You know I'm opinionated, but <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's why we're friends, though. Because <laughs> we're both very opinionated, but we we're, can respect like, each other's opinions. Yeah, I, I think that both of us are opinionated, so we get where the other person is coming from, and I think that's why, like, because I need people in my life who just tell me things sometimes you know I feel like people some people in my life just let me be saying shit and like things just fly out of my mouth and they're like that's fine I'm like that's not fine what I just said like (laughs) I know what I just said is not okay (laughs) you're like I recognize it's problematic but you're okay with it okay (laughs) so I appreciate the TJ in my life happy belated birthday by the way oh thank you thank you thank you so much I feel like we phone call but i the reason why i haven't called and this is going to sound like an excuse but it's not is that i feel like you're always so busy that i don't want to just like intrude on your time so i feel like i need to schedule a time with you or something i would i will say that that it's real it is very real i will i I will let listeners know that this is very this you are you are so (laughs) safe it's legitimately me um but uh with that this was holes. We did holes. You saw holes. We, we watched holes. holes and we this was did a, holes. We did do holes. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, Yasmin, thank you so much for joining us on this episode, for being a fantastic co-host. Hopefully we can have you back some other time for some other outrageous movie where there's all sorts of random shit yes. happening. Yeah, this was fun. I had a good time. And Great. hopefully everyone else had a good time too. You know, honestly, you have to you have to make up for your terrible quiz showing. So Oh my god. <laughs> I feel like like do you remember when they did celebrity um who wants to be a millionaire and Ray yeah. Romano was like killing it, right? And he was in the paper, like in the newspaper, the physical newspaper, because this was the 90s. And um, he, there was a picture of him just like reading the newspaper in the newspaper. And he was just like, yeah, like he was just trying to read everything that was around him just to gain all this random knowledge because you never know. That's how I feel about your, your quiz show. <laughs> well, that's the way we make about it. About your feel. trivia question. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Um, but, uh, we also want to thank all of you for, uh, uh, for listening as always. We continue to grow because of listeners like you, wherever you listen to podcasts, please give us a rating five stars. Excellent. Four stars. Great. Three stars are below. We're going to drive you out into the middle of a, um, you know, barren lake in the, in Texas and have you just start digging holes. Just start digging holes. That's what we're going to do. Give us three stars or below. Mm -hmm. You're digging holes. That's how that works. Mm -hmm. 
Um, mm-hmm. You can also <laughs> reach us on Instagram or Facebook. You can email us at grownmenwks at gmail.com. You can leave a voice message by hitting leave a message in the show notes. Uh, and as always, we hope that you continue to take care of each other, take care of yourselves. We hope that you stay crispy and that you join us next time. Yasmin, I have one final question for you. Okay. If you had a Camp Green Lake nickname, what would it be? I have no idea. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I okay, what would you nickname oh me? Goodness. What would you nickname me? <gasps> what would I nickname you? Oh, God. The, what I want to say is not inappropriate. <laughs> it's inappropriate. Like, the first thing that... <laughs> It's not even like like good. It's just um, I want to call you highlighter because you had that shirt in high school that was bright green like a highlighter. It, like and so whenever I, I don't know why that's the first thing that I think of you. Other than that, you're my white knight. You saved me from that kid in in tenth grade. Um, also, a Jessalus. I feel like <laughs> these are just things that I think of when I think of TJ. So a Jessalus. I, I kind of no one's gonna under, know what that is, but um, I'm gonna go with a Jessalus. That's great. That's my favorite TJ memory, and it makes no sense to anyone but me. So I honestly, like I would name you Mimi only because when we went to go see Rent and we were rushing to get there, and remember the second our butts hit the seats, the lights went down, and we we're like, we made it just in time. <laughs> <laughs> I remember we were stressed the whole time. We're like, we got to get there. We got to get there. We can't miss it. The second we sat down lights, I was like, oh, my God. We did it. Well, I like that. I like that you think of me when I have a story to tell you, maybe not for the podcast, but um, just because. But, oh, my God. But, yeah, I like that that's a good memory. That's a good memory to have. And, of course, you're my karaoke buddies. So, yeah. I can yeah. call you karaoke. Maybe a justless man. Maybe you should be Carrie and I should be okay. I don't like that at all. <laughs> <laughs>